Well, good evening, everyone. I'm used to saying good morning, so I had to try hard not to, to say good morning. So if you've been on Facebook at all over the last several weeks, you've seen someone, probably several friends, post some iteration of this. Jesus is the reason for the season. It's about Jesus, and it rhymes, so it's postable. But I wonder if Jesus would agree. I wonder if he looked down, and I suppose he does, on what we call Christmas. Is it something he would endorse? Is it something he would be proud of? Or would he be confused, if the Son of God can be confused, I won't tackle that one, but would he be confused, disheartened, maybe even sad? And I ask this sincerely. I don't have an answer to it in mind with which I'm trying to indict all of us. I really have no solid answer to this. Most of us would agree that the Christmas season does tend out to bring some of the best in us. It brings out the best of our generosity. It brings out the best of our fellowship and our sharing. They say that crime goes down during the holiday season. Might have to do with the fact that it's really cold outside. But they say crime goes down. They say that giving goes up. The brokenness of some relationships is at least temporarily put on hold while we share meals and while we share gifts. The Christmas season opens up conversations about Jesus in places where he is not named most of the rest of the year. I'm sure the Christmas season also brings out the worst in some of us, or maybe some of the worst in all of us. Depression and loneliness can intensify. According to the Centers for Disease Control, it's a myth that the suicide rate peaks around the Christmas season, but the fact that that's even a myth suggests something darker about the Christmas season. The temptation toward greed and indulgence can be overwhelming. Two of my Facebook friends, one a mom and one a dad, both posted about essentially the same situation. It was this. What do you do when your child changes their mind about what they want for Christmas, but the presents are already wrapped and Amazon can't deliver in time? (laughs) I don't know what you would do, and I'm in no way giving parenting advice, but I know what I would do. It would involve a wood chipper. (laughs) Or maybe I would give those rat presents to some kid who didn't ask for them because he doesn't even know they exist. And my child could spend Christmas morning scooping snow or cleaning the wheels of my car with a toothbrush, something like that. Don't get me wrong, I enjoy the Christmas season. I enjoy the sharing of meals and of gifts. I'm looking forward to opening presents tomorrow. 
I like Christmas lights and Christmas trees and two weeks off of school. My concern, though, is that too often the only thing we encounter during the Christmas season is the Christmas season. Our encounters with the Christmas season, as I've said, can be positive, but they can also be very trying and difficult, and I'm sure for most of us it's some combination of the two. But I think Jesus offers us something else, something better. I think he offers us something much more substantial than the encounter of a season, something that doesn't depend on our finances, doesn't depend on our politics or even our relationships. Every Christmas is a good Christmas if we encounter him. And it was no different over 2,000 years ago. Look at Mary's response to the realization that she is carrying in her womb Jesus the Lord. This is in Luke chapter 1. She says in verse 46, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Mary, whose hope for a normal life has ended, Two and a half kids, a house with a white picket fence, and eventually, you know, retirement in Boca Raton has ended for her. If her eyes are on her difficult situation, an unwed, young, pregnant Jewish peasant girl, she could easily be moved to anger or to despair, but she encounters Jesus the promised one, and she is moved to worship. As the kids told us already this evening, the shepherds encountered Jesus. In the very next chapter, and I'll just read it again, into the same region where there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good, no good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made, note, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. You see, when the shepherds encountered Jesus, they responded by glorifying and by praising God. 
the Messiah wrapped in cloth in a manger. If they are only encountering the season through their expectations, then they will be disappointed. The birth of the Messiah should be in a palace, not in a manger. The birth of the long-awaited Son of God should be celebrated and visited by the most elite of the Jewish leadership. But no, some shepherd straight from the fields encounter Jesus and are moved to worship, to ascribe glory to God, to share in the same proclamation with the angels who appeared to them. We must do more than simply encounter the season. We must remember that Jesus is the reason, period. A famous study was conducted back in the 80s. Maybe some of you have heard of this. It was a filmmaker. They asked Harvard graduates. Literally, they had on cap and gown, diplomas in hand, freshly printed, right off the stage. They asked these Harvard graduates one question. What is the reason for the seasons? They're asking a meteorological or astronomical or kind of earth sciencey question. What causes the seasons to change? The purpose of the study was to prove how powerful our misconceptions are. To prove that we can be inundated with the truth, yet still fall back on errors that we've believed for so long. Most of these graduates, and they said about 95% of the general population that they surveyed, answer the question this way, that it's the distance from the sun to the earth that causes the seasons to change. This is common sense, right? And it even acknowledges that the earth's Revolution around the sun is in a perfect circle. It's elliptical. Sometimes the earth is closer and sometimes it is further away. So it makes sense that when it's closer, it's warmer. And when it's further away, it's not. But that explanation is wrong. And you learn it probably almost every year in school from third or fourth grade on. It's such a powerful misconception that most of us and even Harvard graduates with freshly printed diplomas in hand get it wrong. Even though we're all taught from elementary school that it's the tilt of the Earth's axis that causes the seasons. So may we, as we continue to celebrate the Christmas season, certainly reaching the peak tomorrow for many of us, may we not be misled by our own misconceptions. We will all encounter the season, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But make certain that you encounter far more than the season itself. It's my prayer that during this season that you encounter Jesus. And if you're moved to worship him, if you're moved to recognize and ascribe to him the glory that is due him 
as Mary did and as the shepherds did, then you will know that you have encountered him. So where can you find him? Lots of places, I suppose. The Bible tells us that he's near, that he's everywhere present. But I believe he's particularly, particularly present tonight. Matthew 18.20 says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. We had children tonight from, I don't know, about four years old or so, all the way up to a reluctant 13-year-old, whom I promise will be too old next year for the children's program. Trying their best to point all of us to Jesus and if we are account only encountering the season, then what we remember is like who was dressed the best and maybe who was picking their nose and who forgot their lines and all those sorts of things. But if we let them point us to Jesus, we will encounter him and we will recognize his glory. Amen.